You're listening to the Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. The inside word on all things travel. Buckle up as we explore New Zealand, take you abroad, dive into virtual travel, and inspire your bucket list with spectacular tips and tricks. We've got the world covered. Tune in on Apple's podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Be sure to like and share our podcast so everyone can enjoy the inside word on all things travel. And now, here's your host from Christchurch, New Zealand, Mike Yardley and Chris Lynch. Welcome aboard to another edition of Kiwi Tripsters. I'm Chris Lynch. I'm Mike Yardley. Thank you very much for joining us. And coming up, we will talk about the bucket list train excursions you need to experience in your life. And we'll do some more virtual traveling too. I love virtual traveling. Didn't think I would, but I'm right into it. But first, we're going to talk about the best travel movies to really get you excited when all this lockdown finishes. And I know, Micah, you've been very busy because you've got a lot of time on your hands. You've been assembling a list of some of the best places uh, to travel when it comes to movie magic. Indeed, you know, the movies that inspire you, and obviously it's no mean feat trying to assemble such a list because it's very subjective, but I reckon, Chris, you'd have to start with some of the classics, which in many respects first set fire to the travel world's imagination. Roman Holiday is a star specimen. That's with Audrey Hepburn ripping through the streets of Rome on a Vespa. And similar to that, back in the 50s, To Catch a Thief is credited with... um making Americans oh so conscious of the French Riviera. So that was with Grace Kelly and Cary Grant lustily shot on the French Riviera. Um, And, I mean, you only have to look at uh, the impact of the rings and the hobbit on New Zealand and how it's, you know, mobilized millions of visitors to our country, kind of like the sound of music in Salzburg. The sound of music is probably the ultimate travel movie classic because 60 years later, that film still underpins Salzburg's pulling power where the hills are still alive, Chris. They certainly are. It is amazing, is it, when you think of uh, all these years gone by and yet that hill, that location still remains popular today, probably more so now than when the film Mm. was first released. But I know for you, I'm thinking though, in your list of uh, things to do in terms of magic, Roads, road trips. You like your road trips. You've done a few of those. I in America, love but my road trips. Yes, and also your rail as well. So I'm guessing your rail trips are up there as well. For you, absolutely. Yes. Uh, recently, the movie Darjeeling Limited was released, and it's a really great rail romp through Rajasthan and India. For me, I think the ultimate rail trip movie would be Murder on the Orient Express. There was the original back in the 40s, of course, and then the remake just a few years ago. And that has just continuously fortified the world's seduction with that luxury train excursion, uh, the Orient Express. Road trip movies, Chris, I reckon you'd have to include Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, uh, on that list. And the Outback really is the star of the show alongside the drag queens. Um mm. For, the, contrast for is, the, the contrast is just amazing, isn't it? When you see all yeah. the pink and purple uh, with yeah. the very dry outback land, it's quite funny. That's true. And if you go to Broken Hill today, uh, there is the Hotel the Palace Hotel where they stayed a night during the movie. Um, and I won't repeat some of the rather 
X-rated lines from the movie. <laughs> but um, it's that hotel where there, there were those like completely larger-than-life murals on the walls. Yeah. So people still can go and stay at that hotel that featured in the movie. And they've even got like a Priscilla bar there. So, yeah, that legacy lives on. Um, but aside from that, I reckon the most iconic road trip movie ever, Chris, would have to be National Lampoon's Vacation with Chevy Chase playing Mr. Griswold. And it was that movie that inspired me to check out Monument Valley um, in the United States. Not just a roadrunner, but the Griswolds on their road trip. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, I think some of the, the big tourist attractions or tourist hotspots now are these places where you can pretend to go and travel to find yourself. That kind of theme is yes. quite big, isn't it? Yes, you've thought about finding yourself and where? Tajikistan, was it, Chris? And I still can't find myself. I've been searching for years. But <laughs> 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 I suppose um, one of the ultimate find yourself travel movies would be Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah. Um, Mamma Mia probably riffs on that theme as well in the Greek islands. My favorite find yourself movie would be Under the Tuscan Sun, based on the real life adventures of Frances Mays, played by Diane Lane, and she does such a brilliant job. Um, Frances Mays is a stunning woman. She still lives in that 200 year old farmhouse, Brahmasoli, just outside Cortona. And if you've seen the movie, you probably think, yes, I need to get myself to Tuscany. You can go that one step further. You can actually go and look at Brahmasoli Villa in the flesh, wrapped in that Tuscan countryside. It sort of brings movies to life. Uh, facts you don't need to know. Elton John has a multi-million dollar mansion there, in case you cared. Um, yes. What a did you know? I bet you, did you know that? You didn't say that with such certainty. I don't know why I know well, that, but I know that. I thought he had a mansion in every major tourist hotspot around the world. Quite possibly. And he's, got, he's got the money for it, hasn't he? Yeah, good on him. Now, what yeah. about the Bond movies? Because, I mean, I'm not a massive Bond movie lover, but I do love looking and exploring at some of the destinations where the movies have been filmed or based on. I think that's, um, that's probably the same for many people. There's actually a website, Chris, called... On the track with 007.com. And if you are a true Bond junkie, you can actually plan your world travels based on all of the locations that are featured in Bond movies and the hotels that are featured in Bond movies. Um, so that's, you know, for your real hardcore Bond fan. But yes, from Dr. No to Spectre, every Bond flick can give you the travel bug, I reckon. Um, and I think one of the, the greatest Bond legacy sites you can see is actually a revolving restaurant on top of a massive Swiss mountain summit called Schilthorn. Um, and the revolving restaurant was under construction when Bond's talent scouts um, identified it and thought, wow, that would make such a cool location to double as um, a villain's lair, you know, high in the Swiss Alps. So because this restaurant was still being constructed, Bond's producers actually took over the project and finished it. They, they finished building the restaurant in exchange for being able to use it in the Bond movie on Her Majesty's Secret Service. And today, it is so cool to go up to that restaurant. It's 3,000 metres high. 
Wow. Uh, obviously, go go there by cable car, and alongside the restaurant, they've actually got a permanent James Bond museum uh, built into the restaurant. So I think that is such a cool legacy from the whole uh, Bond uh, experience. Um, by the way, No Time to Die, which is the next Bond movie, uh, COVID has delayed its release, so it won't be out until November, which is, I think, the last hurrah, isn't it, for Daniel yeah. Craig? It is. What about, there are probably movies that have become billboards for many cities around the world. And I can think of a few, you know, um, Marina Bay Sands, for example. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians comes to mind. Whenever you say Marina Bay Sands, the two have become synonymous because that infinity pool. Yeah, absolutely. And that movie actually was sort of like a giant uh, ad for Singapore because it attracted so much interest in visiting Singapore from moneyed millennials, you know, who love all the bling bling, like Chris Lynch, I have to say. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the Marina Bay Sands, um, very much iconic and probably made even more famous because of that movie. Similarly, uh, Lost in Translation is really just one big movie ad for Tokyo and the Park Hyatt Hotel. And Chris, I think you've been to some pretty um, special glamour hotels that, you know, very much are sort of like movie stars in their own right. And I didn't even know that when I was staying in uh, Bangkok, I stayed at the highest uh, hotel in the city, right smack in the middle of downtown uh, central Bangkok, Laboa um, State yes. Tower. Had no idea that it was uh, from the famous movie, uh, what is it? Um, and see, it's so famous, I can't even remember it now. Um, the Hangover. Of course, yes. I didn't even know anything about that. I stayed there because it just looked luxurious and beautiful and glistening. All those lovely things I love about hotels. And I've got to say, it was. And I've got to say, it was just, it is like stepping into a movie. You feel like you're in a movie set. Everything feels um, very lush, uh, very expensive. But of course, uh, the New Zealand dollar at that time, when I went there about two years ago now, uh, yep. Everything was so incredibly cheap, and what a, what an amazing city! What an amazing, alive city, Mike. And correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, because I haven't been to that hotel. But um, as people probably recall it from the Hangover, at the top of Labua is that amazing rooftop open air yeah. bar, right? Oh, With and just that, the most incredible yeah. view. Yeah, you know how sometimes you have a lot of travel brochures on hotels and when you have a look at what they've got on offer, you think, okay, it can't be that great. You've just, you've yeah. increased the contrast somewhat. This was just out of this world. What you see from those beautiful travel brochures is what you get. I mean, it, it just looks like you get 360 degree panoramic views of all of Bangkok. And wow. it is, and if you're staying in that hotel, you can go uh, to the bar for free. If you're not, I think you have to pay a cover charge to get in. And when I was there, it's often used f- uh, for a, a lot of graduation parties, I noticed. Okay. Um, but yeah, if you get the chance, that would be something that I would definitely tick off my bucket list. In fact, I've done it now, but for others who meet, perhaps are traveling for that one night experience in Bangkok. Indeed. By the way, speaking of Asia, um, just to sort of reinforce the power that movies have to transport people to uh, the dream destination of their choice, just look at the power of the beach uh, starring Leonardo DiCaprio um, and how that unleashed such raging over-tourism on Maya Bay, the beach, uh, in the PP Islands to the point that for nearly two years now, it's been closed to tourists because the reef and the surrounds had become so trashed. So, yeah, Hollywood's, you know, factor um, and pulling power is immense 
uh, when it comes to um, travel trends. Just finally, what would be your all-time favorite travel flick, Mike? I've got a first equal, Chris, and I know yes. this one is very, very low rent, but I'm going to say Borat because his travels across the US and A, as he chooses to call it, in search of Pamela, um, I just think is the most fabulous uh, classic road trip movie. Um, and also, because I am absolutely besotted by Greece and all of their ancient glories and ruins, I would also say my first equal is the brilliant comedy movie, My Life in Ruins, which revolves around this rather ditzy American tour guide um, and how she has to try and handle this very high-maintenance uh, tour group of Americans. It is laugh out loud all the way, but you'll also fall in love with Greece. Well, you've surprised me there. You may have some other choices and other picks of your great travel movies. Be sure to uh, share your tips with us on our Facebook page and, of course, your feedback, feedback rather, on our podcast service of your choice. Well, if you're busy planning and dreaming about some bucket list travel experiences, Mike is the man. He's transpotter from way back, aren't you? And uh, we're going to feature in profile now some bucket list rail experiences over the next month or two. I love this. Want to get started though, Mike? And I've been looking into this Switzerland's Golden Pass. It just looks golden. It looks amazing. It is truly a magical rail experience, Chris. And yes, hopefully we'll be able to get back on those rails next year. The tra- yeah. the whole Swiss transport system, I think, is a marvel because they're such a small country, about a third of the size of the South Island of New Zealand, and they've got 30,000 kilometres of rail track crisscrossing an incredibly mountainous country. Um, it is just an engineering achievement of epic proportions. And their collection of scenic train journeys, other stuff of legend. There's like uh, the Glacier Express, the Benina Express, uh, which is not a fast-running sewing machine, by the way, Uh, the Gotthard, (laughs) and the Golden Pass. And the thing about these scenic train trips is if you do one of them, you're hooked, and you'll be gagging to do all of them. Well, that's what I was going to ask, because what what is this one's, why is this so great compared to others? Because uh, you've been on so many. Once you've gagged for one, how are you going to gag for the others? Well, I put Golden Pass to the test about a year ago, and it's it's reputed to be the pioneer of the panorama train. So, for example, when you go on like the Transalpine in New Zealand, or um, what's the one between Christchurch and Transalpine? no, no, that's oh, the no, West the, Coast uh, one. Oh, I'm trying point. to think. The name's gone. The name's oh, disappeared cool. from yeah, me. Cool. Anyway, it'll come back to me. Um, the Coastal Pacific. There you yes. go. Um, you know how they've got those really big panoramic windows, sort of like from ceiling to floor, virtually. Yeah. They're big, wide windows. It was the Golden Pass line that pioneered that. That's where the first panoramic oh. windows appeared. So that was over a century ago. It's amazing. Um, So it was the first service in the world to have those giant picture windows to maximize the view. And what makes it really special, the Golden Pass line, Chris, is it's not just a tourist line, but it's a crucial commuter route weaving through countless alpine villages. So while you're busy taking photos on board, you know, the locals will join, uh, jump on board the train with their with their bread, um, heading home to feed the kids. Um, and you've got the flexibility to do it as a day trip or hop on, hop off as you please all along the line. How long does it go for? 
Well, the full journey uh, stretches from Montreux to Lucerne, and it's just over 200k, which takes about four hours to complete. Um, Interlaken is the halfway point. I started in Montreux, and the climb out of town is incredibly steep on a curving cogwheel track. The thing which is just mind-blowing is you rise and rise and rise above these stunning Laveau Vineyard Terraces, which are hundreds and hundreds of years old, and they're wrapped all around Lake Geneva like cascading terraces of wine. And then, boom, you then plunge into the alpine hinterland, vivid green valleys, soaring mountain ranges. You half expect Heidi to come skipping into view, Chris. Is Gustard on the Golden Pass line? Yes, actually, this is quite a popular stop. If you want a bit of glam and Gucci yeah. and chic chalets, uh, Gest- yes, it would be rude to um, overlook it. It's all very posh, but uh, very popular. Uh, yeah. Another popular stop, and as I say, it's like a hop on, hop off, this um, Golden Pass line. Another really popular stop is Gruyere, the uh, the cheese region, and the fabulous village of Rosania. <clears throat> which boasts Switzerland's biggest chalet. It's a five-story masterpiece, all intricately carved. And as you pass from French-speaking to German-speaking Switzerland, you can tell where you are based on how they stack their wood outside their chalets. Oh, wow. um, and I, I know this sounds very like cliche and stereotypical, but it's so true. The French-speaking residents will stack their wood with a very sort of free-for-all air of independence. It's all very free-form, the way they just sort of bundle it all together. The Germans, they will stack their wood with, you know, the most (laughs) methodical precision. Nothing's out of uh, line. It's all perfectly symmetrically formed. I love that. Um, So it's a very sort of instructive lesson on the difference between the French and the Germans. What about the Simon Valley? This really is a quintessential pastoral pocket of Switzerland. You've got your cosy chalets, plump cows, clanging bells, and medieval castles keeping watch. One of nature's own guards is this most amazing pyramid-shaped mountain called Nissen. And in the afternoon sun, it casts the most perfect-shaped triangular shadow over the lake. You would think it was man-made. It's just so incredible. But because it's, you know, so perfectly shaped, I am sure the German-speaking Swiss highly approve of it. <laughs> After this, I mean, what, what, what really stands out for you with all of this? Because there must be some standout destinations on all of this. Well, yeah, well, just past Interlaken, I was intrigued to discover Myring in uh, which this in this town it has so many claims to fame. So and sorry, it's my ringin, my ringin, my ringin. Um, Sherlock Holmes fans they will flock to my ringin um, because the town's waterfalls, the Reichenbach Falls, was the setting of the final showdown between Sherlock Holmes and Professor Moriarty. And they mourn his death every year on the 4th of May. And if you're a fan of the meringue, you will be in meringue nirvana in Myringen because this is the town where they apparently hail from. And then after Myringen, before you reach Luzerne, you've got the drama of the Brunig Pass. 
uh, before weaving through the most eye-catching assortment of chocolate box villages like Lungaran, Sanin, and Saxine. They're just all delicious. Does it run all year round? Yes, and it really is like a rolling show reel of Switzerland's greatest hits. Switzerland in a snow dome via this rail line, and it's such a detailed and diverse, ever-changing landscape between Montreux and Luzerne. So you just feel like you've just seen so, you know, like a kaleidoscope of scenery. But if you want a decent carpet of snow to rev up the experience, November to April is the best time to experience the Golden Pass line. So perhaps, you know, add that to your bucket list for November uh, 2021. You're with Kiwi Tripsters. Let's head for the Americas now with some virtual encounters with their greatest National Parks. I've been looking at these. You are going to love it. Mike, I know you're a huge fan of Utah's natural wonders, aren't you? Yes, indeed, Chris. And I'm sure many of us are itching to stretch the legs in the great outdoors beyond our own sort of local neighbourhoods in the coming weeks. So in that spirit, I thought we would go totally escapist with a virtual roam through some of uh, North and South America's finest national parks. And um, based on what I've seen from the national parks, particularly in North America, Utah... I think takes some beating. Now, you've got two options if you want to go virtual here. Google Arts and Culture and also the National Park Service, they have both developed some superb virtual tours. Bryce Canyon National Park is just so ethereal and whimsical, probably most famous for its crimson hoodoo rock formations. And hoodoos are sort of like these really slender uh, stone stacked pinnacles. It's like Ooh. something out of a Dr. Zeus um, book. Zion National Park is the other pin-up boy from Utah, and there it's all about vertical grandeur. And in fact, when the first Europeans arrived into sort of the bosom of Zion National Park, they were so in awe of its splendor and its vertical Splendor. They actually named it Zion because that was the Old Testament name for Jerusalem. You are communing with gods in Zion. And there's an amazing VR touring option called the Angels Landing e-hike. And um, it is so thrilling. It is the closest thing to being there, Chris. Um, and that takes you up to that um, fabulous perch, that big look- lookout point of Angels Landing, which gives you the best view of all across Zion National Park. Nothing wrong to being the next best thing to be. Being there. Any note from the likes of the Grand Canyon? Because uh, you've got a bit of a, well, I was shocked to hear this, but is that Google Street View is equally as good to some of these other virtual experiences you can have, Mike? Yeah, I think so, because Google have been mm-hmm. quite clever with uh, some of their offerings for national parks. So obviously yeah. there, aren't, there aren't streets, you know, in the wilderness, but what they've done mm. is they've basically taken that street view approach to some of the major walking trails. So if you follow the Bright Angel Trail around the south rim of the Grand Canyon, yeah, Google Street View Trek uh, just gives you the most brilliant virtual experience of that trail, which does serve up the best views, I believe, of the Grand Canyon. You can see 40 layers of sedimentary rock on top of each other rising up from the Colorado River. It's quite extraordinary. And similarly, Yosemite uh, National Park has some gripping VR experiences, including one which transports you to the rock face of El Capitan, where along with other climbers, 
you virtually free climb the monolith, swing across the face to reach vertical cracks and then catch your breath on that life-saving ledge, El Cap Tower. It is an amazing virtual reality experience. I'll tell you what I like. It's not perhaps virtual reality, but I've seen some of this, uh, the live webcams that are available if you go into Yellowstone Park, for example, but it kind of is hit and miss, isn't it? Yeah, it can be. Um, I actually think the best virtual experience at Yellowstone are the live webcams, um, and they've yeah. got a fabulous one that gives you um, an around-the-clock uh, ringside seat of Old Faithful, which is the big old gusher, which certainly knows how to gush. I've never been to Yellowstone. It's actually top of my USA wish list for next year, Chris. I'm surprised, but you've been everywhere. No. Uh, what about <laughs> what about Alaska? I mean, I've been looking at some of the virtual uh, tours there now, and incredible. Yeah, Denali is particularly good, which includes the US's tallest peak, Mount McKinley. And if you've ever dreamed of visiting Glacier Bay National Park or Glacier Bay, as the Americans call it, um, if you've been there and want to relive the wild splendor of that bay, the virtual tours do give you a really good sort of sentimental taste of um, being right up to the face of a carving glacier or glacier. Um, the spring melt, obviously, is underway at the moment, being May. So the live cams are also really good at Glacier Bay National Park as those um, those glacier faces just collapse into the water. Fabulous. Very primal, Chris. Now, you were saying earlier on that we can check out um, sort of virtual tours or, or live experiences of Hawaii. I'm surprised for that because, I mean, I did the amazing volcanic tour that you can do on Big Island. It was just stunning. All I could see yes. was the orange glow, sadly. Yes. Um, but you reckon there's something there we can see almost like virtual reality experiences now. That sounds pretty exciting. Yeah, and they've um, been revving these up, the National Park Service, just in the last couple of months because of the whole COVID lockdown. So um, if you go to Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, uh, you can get um, some great glimpses of Kilauea and um, some of its tributaries. For example, they've got a VR experience on the National Park Service website um, that takes you through Thurston Lava Tube and this is basically a cave that gushes with lava flow when Kilauea is misbehaving. So you can sort of walk through where the lava gushes. Um, on Maui, check oh. out the, li- the live cam experience of sunrise on the summit of Haleakala, which is so high, the summit of this mountain, the cloud line is normally below you at dawn. So when the sun comes up, you know, it's coming up above the clouds. You are looking down at the clouds and the sun greets you. That is very trippy. And um, I love how there is this commonality between Maori mythology and Hawaiian mythology yeah. because it was from Haleakala where Hawaiians believe Maui lassoed the sun to slow its movement so we could have more sunlight through the day. Very cool. Of course, it's all true. You're right about that. There are some beautiful myths and legends uh, that can accompany you as you go about your your tours, which I, I was lucky enough to do the Big Island tour. So uh, mm. make sure that's on your bucket list. You want to talk about and uh, some of the virtual tours you can do in South America. I mean, that's a, a huge that's a huge region. So you better 
narrow something down for me, Mike. <laughs> well, there are so many possibilities, Chris. I'm not going to talk about the Amazon because we're probably best to do that as a standalone sometime, but just two... Three-part series. Exactly. Just two <laughs> little samplers from South America. Um, yeah. Climate change may be menacing many of our glaciers, but in Patagonia, right down south, Glaciaris National Park is home to the colossal Perito Moreno Glacier, and this glacier is continuing to grow. She is a whopper, 160 kilometers long, and she's growing every year. So there is a, a really immersive VR experience you can take walking on top of this glacier. And they're not too far away. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Iguazu Falls National Park, which straddles uh, the Brazil-Argentina border. I know we've talked about Iguazu Falls before yeah. on Kiwi Tripsters. Um, and from above, the drone tours um, are particularly uh, instructive in just showcasing the immensity of Iguazu um, Falls National Park and those 250 waterfalls ferociously plunging over the cliffs into the chasm. It's like bloodless violence, Chris. Okay. <laughs> hey, by um, the way, fine. Yes, yes, I was going to say, by the way, we do have um, a companion story about the various website links to these virtual tours uh, oh, available, yes, available on fortheloveoftravel.net.nz. Finally, in this edition of Kiwi Tripsters, let's enjoy a slice or two or three of virtual Australia. Wildlife is the centre to Australian ideas, you have to say. And uh, Mike, I love this. I've been watching a bit of this lately. I'm getting quite into Taronga TV. It's been an absolute smash hit in the last uh, month or so, Chris. Yes, uh, the century-old zoo in Sydney, which is revered as a conservation world leader. They have launched this free and live streaming channel on their website, and they've got a daily schedule of keepers' talks and shows and live animal streams, lots of behind-the-scenes stuff, hugely popular with the kids, lots of fun and educational content. And similarly... The Australian Reptile Park has also recast its riches online with a lot of live streams. The most popular at the Reptile Park is the daily feeding session with Elvis the Saltwater Crocodile. Now, he's a very cranky croc. Yes, uh, he's a monster. Him. Have you? Have mm-hmm. you? I thought you might have been there. Now, he's yeah. the crocodile that ate his girlfriend. Yes, that's right. So- he, um, he, didn't, <laughs> he was on a date, didn't like the girlfriend, so he ate but also the reason why he's now um, you can you can now see him in an enclosure is because yes. he's quite dangerous. He used to like it going to try and attack everybody either in the uh, the local bays or people who are um, riding their boats. So I thought, well, no, he's got an anger problem, so we better pop him somewhere that doesn't. I mean, the only option really was to either kill him or to mm. keep him in uh, an enclosure. And so now you got this idea, and he seems quite happy. I've met him. He seems. I said hello, and he we didn't greet me to stare at me. So it's not all bad news. He didn't have a nibble. No. Very In fact, I thought, I thought it was a prop because he almost looks a bit fake. <laughs> but no, uh, Elvis is alive. Uh, he's alive. He's, uh, yes, but uh, perhaps angry. Yeah. So he is really popular on the live streams from the Australian Reptile Park. He actually recently destroyed a lawnmower 
um, who he had decided had got too close to for comfort at the reptile park, so <laughs> dragged the mower into the water, drowned it, and then tried to eat it. Fair enough. Can I just say, the Australian Reptile Park is wonderful. It's such a beautiful environment for the animals. It's not like, you know, some of the zoos that you may see where everything's a bit too closed off. It's a brilliant, brilliant park, but it also Mm. acts as an educational institute for the local schools, local primary and intermediate schools as well. Uh, So I would highly recommend uh, going there. It is brilliant. Fantastic. Now, also on the wildlife front, if you are a Manly Sea Eagles fan, obviously the NRL is meant to be starting again at the end of May. You've probably been suffering with trawl. I'll tell you what the next best thing is. Eagle Cam. Now, these guys, the Sea Eagles, are white-bellied Sea Eagles. They are the emblem for the the NRL team, and they've got this awesome live cam network in Sydney of sea eagles, so you can get right up close and watch their nest behavior and when they take flight, which is a beautiful spectacle. It's curiously quite addictive. And in a similar vein, how about tracking the sea creatures of the barrier reef? Uh, They have tagged a whole heap of turtles and sharks and manta rays, so you can watch the real-time data to, to plot their movements as they cruise the reef, and it's astounding how far they will roam wow. in a day uh, and how fast they go, particularly the sharks. They're like jet boats. Gee, that's pretty cool. I, must have, I haven't seen it. I must have a look at that. That's interesting. But you're right about, I've actually seen on Facebook, some of the live feeds on Facebook now come up and you can just see eagles doing nothing, mm. chilling out. And it's a live uh, camera feed. There is some amazing stuff about. What yeah. about the likes of um, the outback? I'm talking the real outback. I mean, that must be hard to go virtual, so to speak, because of the lack of reception, but not quite so. They've, they've made an exception for that at Uluru um, in the outback, yeah. and there is a fantastic website which has been ramped up dramatically in recent weeks called Story Spheres, and it brings to life the mystery and majesty of Uluru. Uh, it's all very immersive, fully narrated, <clears throat> and what they've done, they've done it so well. It's like, um, as you watch it, you've got your own personal Aboriginal guide leading you around the base of Uluru and also at Katajuta National Park, which is nearby. And I was there a decade ago in person, but I actually think I learned more from doing the virtual tour. It is just so well-crafted. There you go. Tasmania's top museum too, Mona. Uh, That always dares to be different, doesn't it? They have got so many oddities and, and weird curiosities at Mona. Yeah, absolutely. And they've gone virtual with a lot of their eccentric um, exhibits, including a live stream of this fella called Tim Steiner. And he sits around Mona's galleries for about six hours a day. The reason being, he is a live art exhibit. And he has been for the past 10 years. He's got the most elaborate full-length back tattoo, which was bought by a German art collector. So he's sort of like a human canvas, and the deal is when Tim dies, his back will be skinned and framed um, and hung on the wall for this German art collector. So I know. So even though Mona is closed, the, the, the virtual galleries are still open, and you can go and watch the live streams of Tim still inside at Mona um, on display in the galleries. What, what, what will they think of next? Um, mm. I love Sydney, and I was scared that, of course, the very famous, my famous, what do you call it? It's, it's my favourite, rather, uh, festival of all time, Viva Festival. Oh, Viva. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, but there are still some cool things you can do to have a look around when it comes to Sydney, right? 
Yeah, uh, Sydney Opera House, I've got a weekly digital program that's been running since early April. It's called From Our House to Yours. It's going to run all through winter as well, and it includes full-length performances, live recordings, never-before-seen footage. It's all free and on demand. Um, And I know there are also some great live webcams around Australia, but I actually reckon, Chris, and I know you love your webcams, I reckon Webcam Sydney is so good because the way it's positioned, you can watch the sun rise over the harbour, the bridge, and the opera house, and it's just the most amazing way to start a day. And because of the time difference, you know, in New Zealand, this all takes place around eight o'clock New Zealand time. So mm. while you're having your breakfast coffee, yeah, watch Sydney get gilded by the sunrise. It is so cool. Yeah. Anything of note in Melbourne, but just before we go, because Melbourne's kind of like the cultural mecca, isn't it, uh, for a lot of um, theatre, a lot of ballet. Yeah, absolutely. The Arts Centre Melbourne is home to so many performance companies like the Ballet, uh, Australia Opera, uh, and they've gone full tilt with a wealth of productions now being streamed for free, including upcoming productions that haven't been able to take to the stage. They've actually now just put online for free. Uh, just to keep people connected with Australian culture. And something else that's um, trending, the Australian Ballet is now hosting live and free morning ballet classes online. So once you've watched the sunrise over Sydney, you can go and do your ballet, starting with the plie. Chris, it's not too late. It's time for you to unleash your inner ballet dancer. The lessons are waiting for you. You never know. You never know. Maybe we'll have to start doing... TV video podcast and I can show you my skills. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I love I love the fact that in this new normal, a lot of destination companies, a lot of cities are realizing that we're still stuck at home. Many of us are and we're doing things differently. We're watching stuff on Zoom. We're listening to more podcasts. So I think um, I think that's brilliant. So all power to everybody mm. who is changing the way they go about, you know, um, promoting their cities. Be sure to like us on our Facebook page as well. Our show notes are available on the website. Uh, thanks to Mike. He's a hard worker. KiwiTripsters.co.nz. Plus, we'd love for you to rate us, five stars only, and review us, KiwiTripsters, on the podcast service and platform of your choice. Yes, five stars, mandatory. Uh, by the way, <laughs> if you want to check out those website links about the virtual National Parks Tours and Virtual Australia, both of those articles are at fortheloveoftravel.net.nz. And we hope to catch you again in two weeks for a fresh episode. Take care. Catch you then. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. 